This is the show with Cannon Brown. And I asked Shipman one day, I was like, man, I was like, how, how, do, how, do you, how does a young guy in this industry make it? And he said, every day you wake up and you hustle. He said, it, if you don't, you're going to get passed up. That last few minutes might have been a little confusing. You'd like to know who I was talking to, wouldn't you? Hey, what's going on, guys? It's September 19th. This is a Thursday, a beautiful Thursday, or whatever day you're listening to this. Hello. Welcome. It's, uh, it's been a little bit. It's been like four days since uh, you've heard my voice, or one day since you've heard my voice. I keep forgetting that people listen to this um, podcast not only on the days that I release. You guys are listening all throughout the week. I should just stop saying the days, I guess. Um, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay with it. Hey guys, uh, I've got a great guest for you. I've got a great interview and a, a great episode, and it's with one of my friends. His name's Kyle Vaggy. Uh He hails from Missouri, and um, I went to school with him at Tech for a little while. He went to Fort Scott uh, in junior college to judge livestock, and then after that, he. Um, pursued his bachelor's degree at Texas Tech University, and he competed uh, collegiately uh, with livestock judging, was very successful with that team. Uh, all those guys on that team, um, if any of you guys are listening, miss you. It's been a little while. Uh, I'll have to come down to Lubbock or wh- wherever you are. Shout out to Brooke. She just got married. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoy Kyle. He's a cattle guy, and guys, I've had like this will be my third cattle guy in a row. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I said I was a hog guy. It looks like I'm swaying more into a different sector here. Um, but don't fret. I will be having more uh, livestock-oriented guys coming on soon. And gals. I don't. I, when I say guys, I don't mean guys. I just, it's, it's, we're all, we're all like a whole, it's all right, but I'm going to have some gals on, um, some girls, some women, women in agriculture, they're fantastic. So yeah, I'm just rambling now. I'm so sorry. All right, let's get to the interview. Let's do it. Also like and share and follow at the show pod, Instagram, subscribe, just subscribe, weirdos. All right, let's do it. Mr. Kyle Veggie. You're safer here than any place else. Now just lock yourself in and keep quiet. Hello. What's up, man? No, dude, just chilling. Yeah, how are you doing today? We're making it. Making it? making it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we I can. I, you sound pretty good. The audio is actually pretty decent. Heck yeah, good deal, because I'm just on speakerphone. I broke my phone the other day, and my plug-in doesn't work. How'd you break it? I was actually digging in it with a pocket knife, trying to make it work better. The, I I hear that if you go to Apple, the Apple website, they actually tell you to do that, to just dig into your port with a pocket knife. Yeah, you know, I just, it wasn't one of my brightest moments, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we live and we learn, I guess. I don't know. I mean, sometimes you just got to stick a pocket knife in your phone just to see if it works. Yeah. I yeah, think everybody's the point, been there. I yeah, I think, uh, actually, if you open up the, the instruction manual, I'm pretty sure it's on the first page. Exactly. You get headphones. Uh, you get a charging cable, and they give you a little Swiss Army knife to just dig in your phone with it. Right, right. <laughs> no, you sound good, so I think it'll good. be all right. <laughs> good. Well, uh, what what did uh, what was he on the agenda today? Oh man, we did a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, I got 
rent farms all over up here and hit uh, two of them up today. I got one about 45 minutes down the road that we got about uh, 30 bred heifers on right now. And then uh, another rent farm that's about an hour and a half from the, the home place here in Michigan that uh, it's about an hour and 40, hour and 30 minutes, something like that. And we've got just shy of 200 head over there right now that I feed every day. Um, so that's plenty of drive time. Yeah, behind. you're doing a lot yeah. of driving, dude. Yeah, yeah. We've, uh, I think I added it up the other day. Uh, my new pickup, I put uh, 62,000 miles on it since the third week of December. Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> that's so, nuts. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing a lot of driving. Part of it. Yeah, that is part of it. I mean, they got to get fed. Yeah. <laughs> Funny thing about cows, you know, uh, they do get fed on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No days off. Well, Kyle, first thing I want to start out with is um, do you hate your name? Because uh, social media has kind of hated on your name, like, for the past couple years. I mean, Kyle is associated with, like, basically monster energy drinks and uh, just being kind of a tool bag. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, it's uh, funny you ask that, you know, so uh, I've had plenty of conversations with the drywall and me and drywall are uh, pretty good with each other. So I try not to punch it as much as I, you know, as you know, no more than needed, I guess. And <laughs> yeah, then uh, I'm more of a Red Bull guy than Monster. So I think I should be good there. So, I, you know, it's one of those things that you just kind of own the name and roll on with it, I guess. I mean, it's a name you're born with. You got to. Right. You have to yeah. go. How, how, did, how did your parents know? that uh 20 years down the line it would be uh a, a, the horrible name a horrible name i'm not saying your name's horrible you've got <laughs> yeah. a great name kyle well you know i don't you know i'm, I'm not sure what coach tom and mama stacy were thinking on that one. That'd, uh, that'd be another conversation i guess yeah that might be a different conversation <laughs> yeah well uh you hail from missouri am i right yes sir oh my gosh i can't believe it Oh, yeah. how, how was it growing up in Missouri? I, I'm not really familiar with the state. Uh, man, it was different where I grew up at, you know, uh, small town America, man. Like, I think the high school I graduated, shoot, I don't even know. I think it was like upper 80s, lower 90s kids in my high school graduating class. And we had seven towns funneling into that one high school to make up that number. Oh, wow. Um, so it was way small, um, pretty redneck. <laughs> Um, so, it, but it was good, you know, uh, we were, it was a kind of a sheltered, I guess, kind of County. It was real close knit, you know, uh, it, a lot of times kids will grow up and they're like, oh yeah, my buddy's from town. I had buddies all over the County because we were so close. Um, you pretty much knew everybody there. Um, like it was so close that I think we lived there like 17 years before we bought our ranch and moved down there to Southern Missouri. And, uh, I think all the way up to that 17th year we were living there, we were still considered the new people. Wow. So it's, uh, it, it was, it was good. Um, you know, it, uh, made a lot of lifelong friends while I was there. Some of my best buds are still back there. Um, but like I said, just small town America, uh, not, not a whole lot of cattle. I mean, the, the neat part about Missouri is just about everybody in the brotherhood, uh, you know, has, you know, 15, 20 cows running around. Um, but at the exact same time, nobody really understood what my family was trying to do. You know, they're all commercial cattle yeah. and we were seed stock. So we raise, um, registered Gelvie and balancer cattle. My family does. And we sell, uh, seed stock bulls off the farm every year. 
and like everybody asked us they're like why do you guys do that and i'm like well why do your parents come by our bulls you know very true <laughs> so it was one of those things <laughs> you know it was one of those things that that they couldn't really wrap their head around it and then when you when you say oh we show all over the country you know we, we compete on that national show circuit and they're like so you clip them differently than we do at the county fair yeah you know so you have to walk everybody through it so it was it was weird you know, but at the exact time, same time, it was really good, um, you know, and, and then, like I said, we ended up, shoot, I guess, maybe three years ago, maybe four, something like that. I don't, three years ago, yeah, three years ago, we bought that uh, little ranch down there in southern Missouri. My coach, Tom, ended up, uh, my dad ended up taking a new job. I think he's like vice president of commercial livestock for Missouri Farm Credit or something like that. I don't know. Sounds pretty important. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds really bad, but I, I was thinking about it today while I was driving and I still have to put my home address in my GPS when I go home. I've been there once since I've been <laughs> up in Michigan. <laughs> oh my so, gosh, dude. Yeah. That's so wild. It's a, uh, it's a little different, but you know, Missouri, it's a, it's a good state, you know, lots of, lots of cattle guys down there. Nowhere on the, there's very few guys that are on that big scale that run more than two, 300 head. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just like I said, just about everybody's got a couple cows running around. So it's nice, you know, because you still get to talk to down to earth, good cattle guys and shoot the farmers down there. Just great people. So, yeah, it sounds like you uh, you didn't really have a lot of con competition when it came to like actually exhibiting and showing livestock. But uh, for the more practical side of it, you, you had some people to talk to for sure. That's exactly right. And, you know, and, and some of those old guys, you know, they, they'll teach you a lot of the neat old school tricks, you know, when you, whether you're it's something for calving cows or when you're weaning, you know, those guys. That's, you know, back home from a commercial guy was when I started learning about the moon signs and when it's good clipping days and when it's good weaning days and things like that. You know, that shoot, that's just from a commercial guy right down the road that, you know, had no idea that it was a good day to cut the hair off of the cow that day to get her ready for a show. And is that is that real? Oh yeah, dude. I'm firm believer in it. Like I'm way superstitious. Can you explain that, that to so me? Shit. So like, it just depends on on you know how close. I guess I don't really. That's a good question. You know, um. So it just depends. Like so, half moon, full moon, things like that. And certain days of each month, the moon signs are right. And honestly, I would be lying to you if I even told you that I really pay attention to it because that's more of my brother's expertise. Yeah. Because uh, he clips all of our cattle um, since I'm not there. But we use it uh, predominantly for, for clipping for shows and when we're slicking the heifers off um, to get hair right for the summer months because, you know, um, Gelvies aren't exactly the hairiest cattle yeah. in the world. <laughs> so it's like we have to do everything we can to try to get a little bit on them just for shows. So. That makes so much <laughs> – like it, it. when I was listening to it, I was like, moon? Like, yeah. like I, I think most of the people, uh, would, would think that, but as soon as you say Galvies, you're like, I mean, they need all the help they can get. If you're looking for astrological signs to grow yeah. hair, Galvies are the one to look for it on. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, it, it, it's a weird deal. You know, my brother and I always make a comment, you know, cause a lot of the guys that we grew up, uh, I guess fitting for and clipping for and things like that, they're like, you raise Gelvies. I'm like, hey, now you can make a Gelvie look good. You can make just about anything look good. Very true. Uh, is that so. something that you're like um, self conscious about? If people like, if people ask you like, oh, what do you raise? And you're like Gelvies. Do you are you self conscious about that, or you just kind of like you don't give a uh, shit? 
oh, not one bit, you know. It's like, well, I just say they're like, oh, man, them things are, they're not good for hunting and they're pretty coarse. And I'm like, bro, you you raise scimitals. Like, you have the exact same problems we have. <laughs> yeah, you that's know? very true. Like, Do me a favor and pull up our, you know, pull up my family's, what you know, Facebook deal, you know, TBRS Cattle Company. And go check some of those things out. I'm like, because we don't have the bad fronted ones, you know. And and you know that's something that my dad started shoot. You know, it's actually a funny deal how we got into the Gelvies. My dad, uh, my mom was a barrel racer, and my dad wanted to raise rough stock, and she said absolutely not. And uh, so my dad, I don't, you know, you know this, Cannon, but for all those guys out there listening, uh, veggies are pretty pretty damn hard-headed and uh so coach tom went to the exact opposite end of the spectrum and uh found the calmest cattle breed he could find and that is gelvies and uh because we're we're known for being a docile breed and so that's kind of how we got our start in them uh back in uh, i think 1993 is when we started raising them and then dad so he uh sold key show steers back in the day and uh, i believe the there was a big bull back in I don't know. Dad, I guess, bought him when he was a kid, um, like when he was like five or six years old from an old boy. Uh, his name was Ace of Spades, and he was kind of like uh, no, nowhere close, like on the and on, anywhere close to like a heat wave or anything like that. But he was pretty popular around the Midwest for a lot of those guys selling key show steers. So Dad's always kind of had that certain phenotype and look in his head. And, you know, back in the early 2000s when uh, Gamble's Hot Rod was an Angus Bull back in the day, and we flushed a lot of cows to him um, and started forming a balancer cow base. And so we've always kind of – Coach Tom was ahead of the game, I think, you know, as far as a phenotype and a structure goes for our cattle. So Justin and I, uh, my older brother, were very fortunate um, with, with you know, the kind of the cows that we got to work with once Dad finally started letting us make some breeding decisions. And so that's kind of how we get our really – I mean, I think our cattle are good-looking – um, I guess some of the judges have throughout the past couple of years, we've been blessed with a little bit of success, I guess. And, uh, you know, so, you know, it's just, we, I guess we have different kind of Gelby yeah. cattle. We still keep the production goals in mind. Cause like I said, we, we sell seed stock bulls off of the farm, but you know, Justin and I, uh, we're pretty competitive and we like hitting that show ring pretty good too. So, yeah. And I think it's important that your dad's kind of more of the production side of it, kind of laying the foundation. And then, yeah. you, and then you and your brother are kind of looking for those phenotype for the show ring atmosphere. I think that's yeah. super important, especially to keep that kind of balance maintained. Oh, for sure. For sure. And you guys definitely had a lot of luck when you guys were showing. I, I mean, what, what kind of shows uh, does Gelby have like a national um, association? Yeah. So it's uh, American Gelby Association. And Shout then, out. Uh, uh, Gelby. Yeah. What's up guys. And uh, the American Gelby Junior Association and, and, we were really active in that. Um, all three of us, Veggie Kids, Justin, myself, and Grace, uh, were all ambassadors for the Junior Association. And then all three of us served on the board of directors for the Junior Association. Um, so it was, it was a great organization for us to kind of get into. Um, and we were very, very blessed. Uh, you know, so like Junior Nationals, just like everything else, you know, we'll, we'll range about 300 head each year, I think. And, um, you know, we've got our bread and own division and own division and, um, that the bread and own division to us as the veggie family is, it's probably the most important, um, because my dad really did make us kids make our own breeding decisions. Um, and shoot off the top of my head, I think, 
I had the privilege of winning that, I guess, four or five different times, I think. And then my little sister's been tearing it up these last couple of years uh, with some bread known bulls and some. Bre- she just won the bread known balancer uh, uh, female show at Junior Nationals this last summer. The balancer bread known bull show as well. And then Grace campaigned uh, a purebred bull for us. We called him Aces High, and uh, he's pretty special to my family. Uh, he won the purebred bull show there at Junior Nationals for Grace. Um, the American Royal Tulsa then went on to be reserve national champion there in Denver. Um, wow. so neat little bull calf for her to drag around. And then we've actually got some, uh, he ended up actually passing away, I guess, two years ago. Uh, and, but we've got some calves out of him and, uh, we're actually getting ready to sell a bull on our, uh, my family's first inaugural, I guess not first inaugural, inaugural production sale, uh, would be this fall. And we're going to sell, uh, the very first son out of Aces High, we call him a uh, Deuces Wild, is what we call him. There you go. And uh, he'll be he'll be for sale, and I think he's gonna make some some noise, hopefully, because he doesn't look like a typical uh, Gelby bull does. I guess you could say. That's exciting, dude. So yeah, I mean, yeah. when you get one that looks a little different, that's I mean, it can go one or two ways. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So. We'll just kind of hope for the best and keep working at it. I know uh, Dad and Justin, I sure wish I could be at home with them, but they're they're cranking out some results. And, uh, you know, I think it'll, it'll be a good sale for us. So if anybody out there wants a Gelby show heifer, hit me up. Yeah, you want to put – you might as well just plug your social medias right here if you want to. Oh, I don't know if we need to release the old uh, Snapchat <laughs> name. That one's pretty embarrassing. Did I? Did you? You heard Sam and I's uh, oh, episode? Oh yes, we were. I was literally. I was at a wedding last weekend, and we were talking about that. I was like, "You listen to that podcast?" And like, "Yeah, dude, your your Snapchat's even worse than his." And I was like, "I know, it's so embarrassing." What is it? But oh man, I don't. <laughs> it's like, come on, so please. It's, it's, it's all lowercase. I made this when I was a freshman in high school, and anybody that's been past freshman high school and you look back, you're like, why did I do the things I did? Mm-hmm. This is one of those things. But it's like, it's all lowercase, all one word. It's Ninja Turtles with the number one behind it. And I'm like, Ugh. You're lying to me right now. Bro, I'm not lying, man. Ninja Turtles one, all lowercase. Oh, yeah. Yep. All lowercase with the number one behind it. All right, you uh, you heard them, folks. Make sure you uh, go on Snapchat and type in Ninja Turtles one, all lowercase, no spaces. Um, I dude, I can't believe you have Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Ninja Turtles weren't even that popular when we were freshmen in high school, dude. I don't even know what I was doing, man. I was that was confusing times. That's all right, dude. Uh, well, Sam said he got a bunch of followers after that, so maybe you'll get some. Yeah, what's up? social media what's up what's up no uh when when did you start uh when did you start judging so you you're i mean you kind of show start to show galvies pretty quick uh and you and your brother start judging do you start judging together or did you kind of follow him into it so i guess kind of put us in rewind back to my uh you know shout out to the oc i grew up in osage county we call it the oc yeah, shout out. Uh, very rural america you know and I'm not going to lie. I was thinking about it today and I was like, man, what am I going to talk about? And this is one of the things I wanted to. So when I was in high school, I was not, I guess, the exact same guy I am right now. I was like international harvester hoodie, like lace up boots and and that kind of guy. Country with a K. Country with a K is exactly right. Yeah. 
And my brother, you know, uh, Justin's pretty talented with a set of clippers in his hands, and he'd always been wanting to judge. And I, I judged on his team um, in FFA in high school for him uh, his senior year, my junior year. Uh, no big deal, but I beat him uh, at the state contest, but whatever. Boy. And, uh, you know, uh, after that, I really kind of gave it up. Justin went on. He got recruited pretty heavy in JUCO. He went on and uh, decided to go to Fort Scott Community College and, that's actually the first time I met my junior college judging coach. His name's Ryan Page. And uh, I was actually wearing my International Harvester hoodie the day I met RP. And uh, I told him, I was like, man, you know, I just, no offense to my brother. I just, I'm not going to follow. I don't, I don't want a livestock judge. I don't want to do anything like that. I'm just going to stay at home, run cows and, 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 you know, do country stuff. And so like up until I graduated high school, which was a miracle that I did, um, <laughs> Same. I was rambunctious and, uh, like it was like the week before I graduated and I was like, crap, I'm going to graduate. What am I going to do with my life? So I was like, you know what? I'll go down and check out Fort Scott. And I went down there and, uh, old Ryan page, I call him RP, uh, easily one of the most, one of, one of the most influential people in my life, um, got me to go there. And uh, my bu- my good buddy Callahan Grun, what's up Callahan? Uh, Shout out. Was actually uh, my my dorm mate, and he showed Gelvies with me. So um, that was another reason why I wanted to go down there. And then, man, when I say I went into JUCO judging green, I went in green. Like, didn't know how to get <laughs> better reasons. My very first contest was Flint Hills contest in El Dorado, Kansas. And I dropped like 120 something points. I think it was 123 points. Dude, I remember that uh, contest. Because that was my first contest in junior college. And don't yeah. feel bad, dude, because I dropped at least 100 points, too. That was a tough contest. I still remember it. Yeah, I judged every cattle class right to left. There you go. Yeah, so that'll really that'll really hurt a guy. Because, um, you know, at practice, you know, RP was all fired up because I was like, I don't know. I've always had, I guess, a decent eye towards cattle and things like that. And I just didn't – I wasn't trained any which way. So I was just – I thought the good ones would win and the bad ones didn't. So I usually <laughs> did pretty well in, in, in practice. And then I went on to, to that contest and just bombed it. And after that, I just got real down. And so freshman year, I was way bad. And then RP put a bunch of time into me. And, uh, you know, sophomore year, I didn't get to run at like a, the Royal or Louisville. Um, but come springtime, uh, he ran me. And that's kind of when I started getting my confidence back up. And, uh, you know, had some success like the Dixie National in Fort Worth. And then we went on. My team was decent that year, I guess. Uh, we had, the, you know, we were blessed to win a few of those contests that year. Didn't and, you win a contest? Uh, yeah. Which yeah. one did you win? Um, I think, I, well, I didn't, I didn't win one. I think I was second at Dixie National or something oh, okay. like that. Um, but my team, shoot, we won Royal Louisville. Um, Willow Springs contest, Flint Hills, Fort Worth. Yeah, I mean your team uh, was your whole team. All those kids on that team. I mean you, uh, Callahan, Ben Weiss. I'm gonna be Zane honest. Ward. Oh, Zane Ward. Yeah. Like all you guys were super, super good. Yeah. So it, and it was neat because man, we were tight. Like those, and we still have. Uh, so the I, I went to JUCO in Fort Scott, like I said, and then uh, but at at the school they own this name, and it's like a D1 pipeline football school. And so, like, Jason Pierre-Paul and a bunch of those guys went went to Fort Scott. And uh, Karan Crump's actually now uh, – he played at Arizona State. I think he was a Sun Devil, and now he's somewhere in the NFL, I think. Um, but he was actually in my dorm room all the time. 
at Wawonski Aim, went to Florida State. He was one of my good buddies while I was there. And anyways, we uh, the football team, they called it Skis Made. And uh, we actually, all those guys, Ben Callahan, Zane, myself, uh, T. Ham, uh, we all have us uh, Skis Hood Rats uh, Snapchat group chat together. And I still talk to those guys on a daily basis. So nice. it, it was really, it was a neat time. And then, you know, from there, one of the neatest things that Ryan did for me, Ron Page, was uh you know a lot of the senior college coaches I toured a lot of colleges and I had a lot of you know coaches talk to me but the only one that I that I hadn't heard from yet you know reached out to Ryan and he put a good word in for me um that's Texas Tech University and that's uh you know Ryan kind of kind of gave them uh, a good you know a good recommendation for me and uh you know I ended up going down there um and man it was awesome at first, it was it was totally different. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, me and old Ben Weiss went down there, and uh, it's totally different crowd, man. I think we had like when we first started out, we had like eight All Americans on the team. There was a bunch. It was, just, it was crazy. Yeah, you were there. And, <laughs> and, I wasn't one of the All Americans, but I was there. <laughs> yeah, neither was I. And <laughs> you know, so Tech was awesome. You know, um, had a great team there, uh, and, and some of my also some of my lifelong best friends. Uh, are, we still talk on a daily basis and they're from there at tech too. So it was, tech was really good to me and, uh, you know, getting to judge under John DeClerc and Ryan Rathman, um, you know, that was, that was really neat to me. Um, cause, cause John is a miracle worker in the reasons room and, and, and Ryan's eye for cattle and, and livestock in general, you know, and you combine the two of them together and you learn a whole lot. And, you know, so I was very blessed uh, to be a part of that. And it was uh, it was a really neat opportunity for me. And, you know, it, uh, I guess, helped shape the kind of the cow kid that I am now, because, you know, with Ryan, um, you know, he's a big feedlot guy, ruminant nutritionist, um, you know, reproductive physiology, things like that. And, uh, you know, so it helped me for my for my job now. And so tech was it, it was way good to me, I think. Oh, yeah, I bet it was a fantastic experience for you. And it was a lot of fun at the exact same time. Well, yeah, and I wanted to, I wanted to bring a couple things up for you, and I you tell me if we can't talk about some of them. The first thing I wanted to talk about, if we're allowed, is how you and Ben Weiss lived with John for like the first year oh, when you were dude, at Tech. So, Can we talk about that? Yeah, it's because Ben. I hope he's listening to this in typical Ben Weiss fashion. Old Bean, he. Uh, Left me high and dry like usual and didn't tell me he was committing to tech until like July and all of the houses were rented out by then for school. And so John, you know, reached out, kind of opened doors and was like, hey, you know, I want you guys on my team. So just come live with me. And we're like, okay, whatever. (laughs) And, and, you know, at first I was like, oh, is this going to be weird? And and John's a super cool guy. and, And you know, that's kind of where me, Ben, and you started hanging out. Ben, yeah. I guess, because yeah. Cujo's was just right down the, the street. So, well, I mean, you know, Cujo's that... was Cujo's was so close, a little a little water and hole, and then you guys live with John. But it was always so weird because we just go over to John's house and drink beer, and sometimes he'd be there and sometimes he wouldn't. Be. But it's yeah. just it was just different. I mean, it's just uh, I, it was just uh, it might not have been weird for you guys just living there, but I know for me just coming over and been like, oh yeah, like. You guys are living with a professor and your judging coach. That's a yeah. that's a good time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he was teaching at that point. In time. Oh, I don't. I think oh, he, was, he probably I, wasn't. I think he was just. I think he was just the coach. But I, I, I do think that he was getting ready to start his his uh, 
doctorate there when when we were there. But yeah, that was it was fresh or I guess not freshman year there, junior year there. That was I don't know, and it was it was it was weird. But then again, it wasn't because you know like when we were in the judging van. He was serious and he was our coach and, and everything was cool. But then it was just like us three at the house, you know, he's super chill. And, uh, you know, we shoot, we talk that year. The Cubs were good. And I'll never forget it. One night we came in, uh, me and Ben were, I guess, clipping cattle up in Kansas or something and, and came, came back down. And the, it was when the Cubs were like bombing one of the world series games. <laughs> and, and Ben made a comment. He's like, boy, John, the Cubs are doing good, huh? And I thought John was going to kick Ben out of the house at right there at that uh, second. Cause John's a huge Cubs fan, but you know, he's, he was super chill there at the house, and it, it was it was cool. So, it's yeah, kind of neat and, and you talked about you kind of talked about uh, uh, Rathman being a huge, a huge influence on you um, in terms of the cattle deal. Yeah, and I mean, I only spent one semester at Tech. I don't claim to talk to Rathman a lot, but those few times he came into our meat animal eval class and just took over the class and talked to us for like three hours, dude. Those are the days that I remember. Like when he would just sit there and just talk and. And you could tell that DeClerc really wasn't happy about it, just taking up all the time. But he was just talking about ruminant cattle and and what it takes to <laughs> graze cattle on, on a large open pasture. Oh, it, yeah. It, he would just talk for hours about just just little minute things. I think one time we talked like for an hour and a half about the difference between a long yearling and a short yearling. Yes, yes, yes. And, and honestly, this is going to sound really bad yearlings a yearling in my book right now so because i don't run stalker cattle so yeah that's kind of what i got out of that well that happens i mean you get out what you get out <laughs> you bet you bet but, um so so you love tech oh you yeah, love man, the experience was... and you guys you guys had a pretty successful year too judging yeah yeah we uh we had some we had some some good times there um you know uh didn't quite get it to click right away i think i think we won san antonio i honestly this is gonna sound really bad it, everything kind of blends together oh, yeah. now for me uh, um but we had some success at a cup contest took second third uh i think one one and then um i'll never forget it ben uh and myself were there in fort worth and i don't know that day i was just like i don't know about this judging deal i really don't care right now you know one of these deals and ben was kind of in the same mood i was in and uh then we go on and i dropped like three points less than ben off the floor and he out talks me by five and beats me by two so ben wins that contest and i was second and I was like, oh my oh. gosh and he never lets me live it down but you know that is just is a neat time that tech was dude sometimes i think back to contests and i'm like if i wouldn't have just gone into it so like mentally and just trying to psych myself out of everything if i would have just gone into the contest and been like you know what whatever happens happens i probably i think i would have done a little bit better yeah and you know coach tom he uh that's my dad just so everybody knows we call him coach tom he was a competitive softball coach um it started off with me being kind of a smart ass but now <laughs> everybody calls him uh and so coach tom you know in this about judging is just it's crazy to think about and when you're judging you're like oh it's not that easy it's not that easy and you're like when you when you're done judging it really is that easy my dad's like kyle judging's easy there's always a first there's always a second there's always a third and there's always a fourth just put them in the order exactly and he's like the best one wins the worst one doesn't and sort your middle pair out and call it good I'm like, oh, it never works like that. Sometimes it's a top pair. Or sometimes it's a bottom pair. But when you think about it, well, there always is a first and there always is a second, a third and a fourth. So yeah. it's just like 
quit psyching yourself out and like I, that's what I did for the longest time. I just get myself too worked up. And, you know, so once I started doing this and this is, I don't, I don't know if this is right, wrong or indifferent, but it's what I did. And I, it helped me out, you know, like uh, gorilla Zoe had this song called, I got it. And it was uh, my hockey warm up song. When I was in high school, I played 13 years of ice hockey. And uh, that was always a song. I don't know. I just love that song for some reason. And I would literally sing that song to myself during the contest and like, oh, crap, what did that class look like? And then I'd have to hurry up and remember, you know. What song um, is this? Uh, I Got It by Gorilla Zoe. Sing it a little bit. Sing a little tune. Oh, not a chance. Just not a little a, bit. No. It's going to bug me if you don't sing just a little bit. I'm, it's going to bug me if I do sing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you would no, just get but, kind of caught up into it and be like, oh, shit, I got to judge this class. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do, and I was I was never a good uh, notes taker, I guess, in judging. Um, that was one of the things RP taught us there at uh, the skis, uh, Fort Scott. You know, I'd write two or three big things down about each animal, um, the color, what they were, you know, what, what I thought or whatever, and three major things, and I'd roll on with life. I wouldn't take a whole lot of notes. Um, that way, when it came time for reasons, I would just – think about the class because that way if you ever did get in the reasons room you're like crap i forgot what i wrote down you got the big bullet points yeah you got the big bullet points exactly in your head like, oh you can see the calf you know as you're talking and it uh it helped me out quite a bit and so i don't know if that's you know humming a song in your head and truly not really paying attention is what you need to do <laughs> yeah um, but it worked for me you know because i'm just about as add as anybody can get i'd say um, so keeping my brain busy was always good. So multitasking always worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good way to look at it. And that's kind of how I ran when I was taking notes on classes. I just wrote big bullet points down. I could never get into writing every single detail down and, and trying to write out my reasons before I even judge a class. It just, it, it never really made sense to me. And it, you're exactly right. Like if I'm in the room and I stumble, okay, I can think back to my notes and I just see, I see those big bullet points and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a big bodied calf that it's got a yeah. bunch of muscle. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, 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 and the reasons, man, you don't, and this is looking back, we, when you're judging, you make it so difficult on yourself and the more relaxed you can stay, I think the better it is, you know, and then you know, you know, you're not supposed to sound like the judges that you see at shows sound on the microphone when you're talking in a reasons room. But when you think about it, shoot, like Bedwell judges a bunch of big shows. Shane does, mm -hmm. and he's a great dude. I love Bedwell. Great coach, uh, too. He was a great coach at CSU. Yep. I wanted to go to CSU when he was dude, there. That's the only uh, reason I wanted to go to CSU. And then when he left, yeah. I was like, not a chance. Yeah. And, <laughs> Shout out and, CSU. So, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, but no, Bedwell, he was awesome. But when he's talking on the mic, you know, he, he's pretty monotone. But he's very descriptive with what he says. And he says, like, a couple big things about each calf and then gets in and gets out. And in a reasons room, man, if, if it's the best-looking, heaviest-muscled, soundest, biggest-bodied calf in there, just say it and get out, yeah. you know? And, and I never won, and uh, I, I guess I had a few good, decent contests in the room or whatever. But, you know, Justin was usually the talented reasons uh, giver. He, he was way good at reasons, and uh had a lot of success doing that but i you know man is just i like looking at livestock uh that's what i like doing and so the reasons room really wasn't my huge huge worry but then again i'm super competitive and i don't like getting beat so uh yeah. i would try to be the best i could be at it but you know just get in and get out and just 
later in line because after you listen to 200 kids say the exact same thing about the exact same calf every time it's pretty annoying i'd yeah. say like when i listen to reasons it's just like all right cool yeah he is the best looking he is the biggest but like the kid who can come and sum it up to me i'll probably score higher because he gets the point across and moves on to the next one that probably needs described more exactly yeah and that's a that's a huge thing in reasons that a lot of people don't really understand until you get to the collegiate level i mean there's no yeah. 4-h and FFA coaches that are teaching kids or there are, but not really on the grand scale of things that are teaching kids really how to say a set of reasons outside of the collegiate level. Right, 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 right. Uh, you skipped over something that I want to talk about and it doesn't really have anything to do with uh, livestock or, or the show industry, but you said that you played 13 years of ice hockey. Yeah, bro. Dude, tell me about it. Tell me right. how many, how so... many teeth did you knock out of people? So, if everyone wonders why I have such luscious, wonderful, uh, flowing long hair in the wintertime every year. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, it's because I played 13 years of ice hockey. So, when I was five, like, we didn't have football at my high school. Um, But I wanted a contact sport. My mom, um, and I think she just probably wanted me out of the house because I was kind of a shithead. Um, (laughs) And wanted me to blow off some steam, I guess. I don't know. Figured out that there was uh, this rec league uh, hockey about 45 minutes down the road from us there in Jefferson City, Missouri, where I grew up at. And I fell in love with it. It was awesome. It's like, you has to hit people and then, like, shoot this rubber thing at them. Like, why not, you know? <laughs> and, uh, man, I was awful. My, like, first five years, I was so bad. It was, it was like, it was brutal to watch, you know, because I, I, I watched – used to watch some of my old videos and I was like, Oh, what was I doing here? You know, you're so bad, Kyle. And then I just kept working at it. And, you know, it's one of those things when I played hockey there in high school, um, you know, I had to balance my high school job, uh, running, running the family cattle and, uh, you know, school, I guess, thirdly, (laughs) yeah, Uh, that was kind of my order back then. And, you know, it, it was not, it was awesome. Uh, you know, I, uh, I was a defenseman, uh, I was kind of the captain of the defense there. And, uh, last couple of years I played, I was captain of the team or whatever. Cause I guess I thought I was a decent leader. Wow. Um, and I guess more than anything, I was just mentally tough, I guess is, is why I was, I guess, good on defense. Um, cause you know, man, I, I was the only country kid that, that played hockey. Like everybody else was from the city. And, you know, I'd, I'd drive to town, you know, that 45 minutes, see uh, Mizzou uh, played at the same rink we did. And, you know, where I was at, you, you got your ice time when it was available. Um, so my practices didn't start till 10 o'clock at night uh, on school nights. So we'd practice till midnight and then I'd drive my 45 minutes home. Uh, and like if we were calving, I'd check calving cows when I'd get back and then go to bed, sleep for a few hours and go to class. So it was time, know, dude. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so you had to be dedicated to it. And like, this is something that I never thought would, would make it good. And then my coach talked about it. It's like when those rip sticks first came out, those like two wheeled skateboard things. Oh, yeah. twist. I got one of those and that's how I had to work on my stick handling. Um, I'd, you know, uh, stick handle that puck in between that rip stick and all around it while I was riding that thing to work yeah. on balance and, and my hand skills or whatever. Then in high school, I kind of kicked it up a notch and, you know, started playing some, some I guess, pretty good hockey in my team. Uh, we won regionals a few times there in the Midwest. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was really cool. Uh, it was a pretty rough sport. 
Um, I, I have all of my teeth for any ladies listening out there, so that's cool, I guess. Um, but <laughs> are you making a play on on my podcast, dude? Come yes, on, man. whatever. You know, don't <laughs> don't don't hate the game, man. You're right. Uh, and uh, but you know, uh, a couple broken ribs, a couple broken thumbs, uh, pinky finger, um, a <laughs> little bit of Dane Bramage after. I don't know if you caught that or not. Uh, <laughs> I caught it, dude. I got. I had like seven major concussions by the time I graduated high school. So um, I actually uh, had a scholarship to go play hockey in college. And that's another thing that kind of came to my crossroads in high school when I said I was kind of just trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do with my life because um, I really shouldn't have kept playing. Um, but I did my senior year, uh, which is awesome because we ended up winning regionals again that year or whatnot. And so I just chose, you know, I had to choose between cattle or hockey uh, at the conclusion of high school. And, and I chose cattle. And, man, looking back, it, uh, it, was, a, it was a great decision on my, my part because I love, I love the game of, of hockey. And actually, now that I'm up here in Michigan, I figured out there's like a old school men's league. Oh, there you go, uh, dude. Like 20 minutes down the road up here. So I'm probably going to try to join that this winter if I can juggle you know, calving 250 cows out, wow. uh, getting to a couple of cow sales and, and try to get there and, and play a little bit of puck. But, uh, you know, we'll see, I guess. Hey, bud, when you get out there on the ring, bud, it, it, it all <laughs> comes back. It's like riding a bike, bud. Oh, yeah, dude. Just, <laughs> and, and, like, since I moved up here, like, when Letterkenny came out there on Hulu or oh, whatever, yeah. like, that opening scene, like, between the country people and, <laughs> and the hockey players was, like, the most I laughed like the hardest I'd laughed in, in a long time. And I sent the video, it's like to my family and they're like, that's not funny, Kyle. It's like, <laughs> All right. Well, it's funny to me because I got to be a part of both sides, I guess. So. Exactly. Sickest flow, bro. Yeah. Hey bro. My, it is. Letter Kenny's funny. If you guys, anybody listening that hasn't heard of letter Kenny, look it up on YouTube or look it up on Hulu. Cause it's hilarious. Yeah. It, uh, it's quite, quite funny. But probably don't watch it with your parents if you're younger. Exactly, yeah. I mean, <laughs> get some uh, approval from your parents if yeah. you're um, under the age of five. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if over the age of that, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. That makes exactly sense, right? That. That's a good discretion to say. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, dude, that's um, that's kind of crazy that you had to make that choice coming out of high school. I mean, there's a lot of people that have to make it. But for you, it wasn't just cattle or hockey it was kind of like well i've had seven concussions already uh i'm a little messed up i should probably take the safe route yeah yeah and you know it's it to the point like into my senior year like uh actually our championship game and my ribs were taped up i had like uh my right hand uh, my strong hand on my uh like on my hockey stick uh was, was taped up because my thumb was practically shattered Oh my um, gosh, then, dude. Uh, both of them, I had a floating rib on my right side and a broken rib on my left side, and I played the entire championship game out there just because I was too hard-headed to get off the ice because I'm like, this is my last game I'm going to play, um, you know, and, and I'm not going to miss it. So it was it was a little, little rough and tough. I think uh, like my junior and senior year, I was at the chiropractor once a week uh, getting oh. my back and stuff worked on. And I can feel that now, especially like after I get down fit and a few head out of show, it's a little slow getting up for me. But, it, you know, it is is cool. And shoot, man, I don't know if I'd change it for the world. I'd probably go back and do it all again. There's something about a contact sport and just, I mean, you said you were kind of team captain towards the end of it. 
there's got to be, I mean, you got to have some pride being in a contact sport, being a leader of a, kind of a defensive team, uh, a defensive sport. I yeah. mean, it's, that's a wild sport, dude. And we don't need to talk about hockey for the entirety of the podcast. This is not, this isn't a really a hockey podcast, but it's a, it's dude, it's a wild sport. And I don't know why people go out there and just smack each other with a wooden stick and just ram each other, but it looks really sweet. So, Oh yeah, bro. It, it, it was, it was a good time, you know? And like my job, I guess, cause I was hard headed or, or dumb. One of the two, um, like, you know, first play of the game, I'd set the tone is kind of what my coach would call it. And I'd light somebody up. Oh God. I mean, were you the, uh, were you the enforcer? Pretty much. Yeah. What is that called? What what was that called? Oh, just, you know, one of the defense guys, like nobody really called it the enforcer or whatever. Just, you know, that we just kind of go out and we, y'all have your jobs to do. And, you know, like there was a lot of kids that we'd play against. Like, you know, you can, you can break your, uh, neck or back or whatever. And, uh, if you hit somebody wrong in hockey yeah. and uh, even if you hit somebody right, um, it, you know, you still have the, the, the chance of that happening. It actually happened to my line mate. Uh, he was probably going to go to the NHL. His name is Mick Devers. Uh, easily one of the coolest dudes I know, um, was playing out in Boston on a private team out there, went to a private school out there and was on a competitive team, like triple a, um, gold team out there. Uh, kid was probably going to go to the blues and play. And it was a clean textbook hit. Just landed wrong and ended up. Uh, I think he broke a C three, oh um, but gosh. actually that happened like three years ago. But you know now Mick, he's he's back on the ice now. He he's not as quick as he used to be, but you know he's he's working his his tail end off to get back there. And so it's like if you hit somebody the wrong way in hockey, you can really mess them up. So I was usually I was I always try to lay down good hits, but I also try to lay down big hits because yeah. who doesn't like looking back at video and seeing yourself light somebody up? Well, of course. So, that was cool, but yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a lot of uh, it was a lot of fun, man. You ever seen the movie Goon? Uh, duh. That's a good one, dude. You ever seen the movie Slapshot? I have. That's a good yeah, one as well. That's that's uh, so like Halloween every year. I'd we me and my my defensive mate would dress up from the two guys from uh, uh, from Slapshot. Nice, dude. Yeah, that's a fun time. Well. That's enough about hockey, I guess. <laughs> that's yeah, enough yeah, about that's enough about hockey. What? Tell me what you do now. What? What is this little? You graduate from Tech. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, that was also a miracle in itself. And then, um, uh, <laughs> what? So, what are you up to now? So, now at, once I graduated from Tech, I was like, oh shoot, I don't know what I'm going to do. And this is another thing that I think we'll probably cover later in the podcast too. Um, you know, I caught myself, I was like, I don't know what to do. And, you know, you and Sam talked about it. I was like last week and Sam said it perfectly. You know, he said money isn't everything. When I graduated, I, I had this job opportunity uh, with a dairy company out of New Mexico and ended up taking it because I'm like, oh, I saw those dollar signs. I was like, that's wicked cool. They buy me a truck, my cell phone, insurance, 401k, salary's way good for a kid coming right out of college. So I took it. And nothing against that company because they were great people. They treated me really nice. Um, you know, and it was awesome to work with them for the time I did. But I had a lot of desk time and I absolutely hated that. Um, anybody who knows me, I like being outside um, ranching cows, uh, I guess you could say. And uh, so just it wasn't me, you know. 
Yeah. And uh, Ben Weiss, this is actually how I got my job. Ben, Ben hooked brother up. And uh, so Ben runs this, this Angus operation called uh, Lens Heritage Angus. Um, and it's funded by this Meats by Lens company. And they do the center third cuts, uh, the high end. They do all high end steakhouses all across the country uh, and other countries. So it's, it's a huge deal that Ben's a part of. He's yeah, actually ben, Ben's got a sweet gig, basically. Yeah. And so Ben was getting ready for his production sale last fall. And my boss, my current boss, uh, Frank Brumfield's his name, um, was there. And he's like, Ben, you seem like a cool guy. Um, so at first I questioned Frank's judge of character. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, Ben. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's like, where do I find a guy like you? And he's like, and, and this is one of the neatest things. Um, and I don't even know if I told Ben this. I just thought it was super neat, you know, that, that he said it. He's like, well, if, if, if I had a guy that would, I'd truly trust 100% to go home and take care of my family's cattle, uh, and do it the way that it needs to be done, it'd be this guy. And he, uh, he gave Frank my name and number. And so that was neat, uh, that when Ben, when Frank told me that, uh, Ben never did, but Frank did. And, uh, so I was down there in New Mexico working for that dairy deal and I had this Chicago number keep calling me and I was like what in the world so I actually declined the the number like quit I I would ignore the call for like two months (laughs) and and I finally answered it one day I'm like who in the hell is this and uh, it was Frank and we started talking I instantly shoot I think that first conversation we talked for like an hour and 20 minutes on the phone just about random things about the cattle industry and then he talked me into it uh to fly up here and so uh, now we're in uh, Three Oaks, Michigan. That's where I work at now. So I flew up here and uh, checked the place out. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest, the place, I guess we could talk about this in a second, but, you know, <laughs> I, I liked it and I liked Frank a bunch. I don't, there, I, I, this first time I met the man, you know, I had no idea what he did for a living. Uh, I had no idea where we were going to go, um, but I liked him. You guys clicked. You know, we clicked. That's exactly right. And it, it felt it felt right. So I went home, flew back home. and I told my parents, I said, I'm going to do this. And they're like, Kyle, what does he do for a living? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to do it. And, you know, so, so it's one of those deals like you and Sam talked about, like, man, just do what you want to do in life. And my dad asked me, he said, Kyle, you know, your your job right now, it's always heated in the wintertime and it's always AC in the summertime. And I said, yeah, but dad, when I was three years old, what did I tell you I wanted to be? And he, he's like, I don't know. I said, it wasn't a monster truck driver. It wasn't a dirt bike rider. I said, I just wanted to have cows. I wanted to have cows. And I said, dad, I'm going to do it. And so I went back to work and I ended up putting my two weeks in. And literally, uh, that was like right around uh, Thanksgiving time. And within three days of me, uh, of my last day there in New Mexico, I was 22 and a half hours north in Three Oaks, Michigan. Jeez. And on a place that had not one permanent fence on it. Uh, I think there was 42 cows when I got here, something like that. And, uh, you know, Frank told me, he said, Kyle, this, this place right here, whatever you make of it uh, is what it's going to be. He said, I'm, I'm putting it in your hands. And, you know, that's something that I never take for granted. I'm very blessed with the opportunity because, uh, you know, my job now, I'm the cattle manager of Brownfield Angus Farms, uh, and it's a grown man's job, and I'm a 23-year-old kid getting to do it, and, uh, you know, it, it was awesome that Frank Frank gave me this opportunity. He, I guess he saw something in me that uh, he liked and, and uh, went ahead and offered it to me, and I took it, and 
you know, now we're, uh, I think here in Michigan, I think we're just shy of 240 head of registered cattle and then about 80 head of recips. And then, uh, we put eggs in, uh, out there. Uh, we have two ranches in Montana as well. Uh, I guess as an operation, we're just shy of a thousand head of mama cattle. Um, so pretty big operation, I guess. And I'd be lying to you if I said I was out there in Montana all the time, but I'm not. Uh, I go out there to haul bulls, um, you know, transfer dates when we're switching, you know, putting in embryos, uh, setting the cows up. I'll go out there, branding time, uh, weaning time, things like that. Uh, I'll go out there for those major deals. But other than that, we got a great crew out there and, you know, trying to get this place set up in Michigan. It's uh, it's a full time deal, and about makes me want to rip my hair out. Actually, I had to cut my hair off because I was about to rip that <laughs> one day. Um, so now I have short hair again, and so it's a it's a really neat opportunity. Uh, we raise Angus cattle, um, the production uh, Angus. So we're more numbers driven, um, but at the exact same time, Frank and I kind of agreed on that. Uh, you know, we we care about functionality and phenotype uh, first and foremost. And uh, we, we still rely heavily on numbers. Um, so our ideal cow is about $120 B to, to $180, $190 B. But then again, we also have some, some pretty neat donors that are over $200 B and a couple heifers that are running around like that. So it's a neat opportunity for me. Um, you know, shoot, I got to design how my fences are built, where the waterers go, um, built-in feed lines uh, right now. Uh, we're getting ready to start building two new barns. Uh, so it, it's a neat opportunity for, and, and it was, it, you know, it was awesome because shoot, whatever we kind of, you know, I got a great crew here, um, that, that work with me. And, uh, so whatever we make of it, uh, you know, is, is what it's going to be. And Frank has, has just been awesome about backing us. And, you know, he loves, he loves the cattle industry. He doesn't, he doesn't get to be around cattle uh every day he tries to come out just about every weekend and uh you know walk through everything but he pretty much stays in chicago there at his uh his company and uh so you know it's a i don't know it's a neat opportunity that's for sure dude he literally i mean he gave it to you on a silver platter i mean he said here's here's this uh there's this base the bare bones farm you build the fences you put in the feed lines you buy the cattle not necessarily buy the cattle, but you pick them out. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. dude. A lot of people want that right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I bet there's a lot of people listening right now that are like, dang, I wish I could, could have had that. Yeah. You, uh, if they do hit me up, I think we're going to try to, I'm going to, um, you know, we talked about judging a whole lot earlier. I'm going to send an email out to the coaches uh, here at Juco and senior college. We're going to try to do an internship uh, next summer. Um, cause my first production sale that we're going to have is going to be next fall, um, female, uh, sale that we're going to have up here. And, uh, you know, I'm going to try to get an intern up here for the summer and help finish getting things ready. And, you know, I guess for what it's worth, you know, give my opinion on how I think cattle should be ran, but, you know, shoot, I'm, I said it earlier, I'm 23. I don't claim to know everything there is to, to know about running cattle. I've never met somebody who does, but. You know, at the same time, I'm not scared to, to call somebody and ask a question. And, uh, you know, I, I learn something new on a daily basis. And that's, you know, I guess that's, in my opinion, that's the key to doing it uh, a decent way. Because the, the moment that you think that you're doing it perfect and that, that you've got it all figured out is the moment you're going to get passed up and left behind in the dust. I think you're completely right with that statement, dude. 
And I think that's that's an awesome opportunity that opportunity that you're going to give out to a lot of folks. Yeah. I mean, I mean and anyone listening that uh, I mean, you've got a Snapchat now. We can uh, at the end towards the end here. I'll have you put like your Instagram, and Facebook, or something like that. But yeah. And then, uh, dude, I think it's awesome that you're going to offer that up. But I mean, you guys, I mean, you've got a small crew right now, don't you? Yeah. So uh, here at the home place, there's uh, so Brad. Uh, Ashy is his name. Uh, he works with me here. Uh, me and him kind of uh, kind of run this place hand in hand. Uh, he he works a, a lot with the, the numbers side of things um, as far as like uh, registrations and things like that go. And then uh, I'm mostly cattle, so like the breeding, setting stuff up, transferring embryos, picking things out, and things like that. And you know, Brad always. Uh, I always ask uh, his, his opinion, and you know we work really well together. And then uh, actually, Jake Pettigrew um, just graduated from K State, and Jake uh, works for me up here, and he's been awesome. Uh, we're very blessed to have Jake around, and then uh, probably the backbone of the place that keep all my fences going, uh, landscaping, and things like that. Uh, honestly, the best heat checker in the world. Uh, his name's probably is Orlando Valera, and Orlando and Pablo do awesome for me. They're they're great. So I got a crew of four people behind me here in Michigan and uh, it's it's pretty cool you know because uh, it takes it does take a team uh, it takes a family to do it and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna give it our best shot I guess well that's what you got to have especially on those uh, with that small net group you got to have a family to, to run one of those especially from the ground up you you got to oh. be cl- pretty close-knit now oh, that's for a fact you know and uh, Jake uh, actually lives with me here uh, in, in the same house that I do. Um, and we call it jump street. Uh, that's right across from a little white Baptist church here. In oh, town. there you go. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, we're kicking it back college style, I guess. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's a prime example of, you know, that, that's a huge thing that, that Frank wanted, you know, he, he wanted a family deal. Um, you know, cause his, his wife and his three kids love coming out here. Uh, his brother Hardy runs, uh, Angus cattle down in Georgia. And, you know, so it's, it's uh, Frank's huge on family and, you know, it's, it's great that we work so, so well together as a team. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's working out really well and I'm looking forward to the future, you know? I mean, that's all you can do. And for, for, a, I mean, for a 23 year old, uh, that's kind of running his own place right now with some help, what, what are you excited for in the cattle industry or just the ag industry in general? What are you excited for in the next coming years? You know, man. Uh, and we, it's a loaded when, question. I know it. When when you and I talked uh, a while back, you know about maybe me doing this deal, I I said it, and I didn't. This isn't a technology. It's not a a neat thing that's going to happen in the future. But but the part that I'm most excited for for uh, the the ag industry, um, and, and the cattle industry is our youth. Um, you know, I guess. Uh, our age group, the millennial age group, I guess. Um, I guess you and Jake Scott talked about it a while back. I was mm-hmm. listening to your podcast. Um, I'm pretty sure I still qualify under that category or whatever. You know, and I guess as an age group, we kind of get a bad rap sometimes. And, you know, I think the youth of our industry is going to be awesome because we're so tech savvy a- a- as a group of people that the technologies we're going to come out with is going to be awesome. Whether it's how to more efficiently feed cattle, uh, hogs, sheep, goats, whatever, uh, how to more efficiently feed or grow corn, uh, things like that. You know, that, the other day I was scrolling through Facebook, you know, I watched a video of a tractor driving itself with a grain cart behind it that was GPS driven that was connected to the combine. 
you know, that's crazy to me. It's pretty because wild. Because where I grew up at, like, shoot, it's the old Gleaner Combine. Like, you know, <laughs> good mom and pop down, the, you know, down the road that's doing it with a pop-pop tractor. <laughs> to see that, you know, it's it's crazy. But, you know, like, you know, I guess to kind of keep on this subject, you know, the as far as the youth go, like, you know, if, if somebody like Frank, for instance, he gave a kid, myself, a shot. And... I'll never take it for granted. And, you know, it, it's one of those deals that it, it, I think a, as a group of kids, do I see us kind of getting a little bit more lazy? Yeah, but that doesn't one, – one bad apple doesn't, you know, ruin the, the whole bunch. And I think there's enough of these ag kids that are out there that, that do work their tails off day, day in and day out that if you give them a shot, they're going to run with it, you know, and they're going to – they're going to want to impress you and they're going to want to show off and, and do their job to the best of their ability. So I think that's probably the part that I'm most excited about, you know, just because I think, uh, I think there could be a lot of neat things, um, you know, that, that can happen, you know, in the future for us, because at the end of the day, you know, it's like when I'm judging shows, I always say that, you know, the kids that are out here in the ring right now, they're the future of the ag industry. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who say that and it might sound simple, but at the exact same time, I think it's spot on. You know, um, these, these young, young guys that are coming up, you know, th they are the future of the industry. You know, it's like when you talk about Sam, you know, w what I love doing, I love breeding cattle. You know, I love raising the good ones. My brother, uh, he's great fitter. Um, uh, he's like a magician with a set of clippers in his hands. In my opinion, there's very few people. Uh, my dad was very, I guess, hard on us. Um, you know, I didn't get to start fitting or clipping our cattle till I was like 17 or 18. Um, my dad always had it paid done because my dad's super competitive and it's not cause he didn't trust us. It's just, you know, he knew that we wanted to win just as bad as he did. Exactly. And so Justin, he's like a little magician with a set of clippers in his hands, but I just like breeding the good ones, you know, but like Sam, he last week or, or however, two weeks ago, he said, you know, he liked fitting cattle and that's awesome. Cause there's, you walk around the cattle barns right now at a show and it's like back in the day, there's like four five, six, maybe 10 elite guys she walked into cattle barns now and there's there's a good hand you know damn near every aisle and exactly. it's awesome to see that you know um you know my good buddy zane ward you know he, he's been tearing it up right now he's got this rosebud cattle deal and you know he, he's been awesome he, he's great with a set of clippers my buddy noah home or whatever and like you know the, the guy that that i think you know i guess for whatever my opinion is worth and while i'm on this tangent <laughs> uh, uh, you know, one of, one of the best, you know, if somebody asks me who I think the best is when it comes to dressing a calf or clipping one, uh, his, his name is Preston Graves. And if you know who I'm talking about, you know, for a fact that he will not say it out loud. You know, he, he he's, he's a super humble human being, which is awesome. That's why I look up to him so much. And, uh, man, he, he is, he's like Jesus with a set of clippers. In his it's <laughs> incredible to watch. It's just like, it blows my mind every time I watch him. You know, I asked him one day, I said, Preston, how do you get to be the best? And he said, man, it ain't about fun no more. You got to work day in and day out. And, and you know, Jared Shipman uh, has that black label cattle deal. Um, raises elite Simmental cattle down there in uh, Texas. And I asked Shipman one day, I was like, man, I was like, how, how, do, how, do you, how does a young guy in this industry make it? And he said, every day you wake up and you hustle. He said, it, if you don't, you're going to get passed up. So when Frank gave me my opportunity, that's, I had both of those, those guys, you know, what they said to me in the back of my mind. 
And, you know, I don't take it for granted. You know, if you exactly. don't, if you don't hustle every day, you're going to get passed up. And I don't mean that to sound cocky or arrogant. Uh, but, but at the same time, you know, I, I like to be confident in my abilities and I think, you know, to wrap it back around with the youth, I think, you know, we, we understand that, you know, Sam, you know, decided he wanted to fit cattle. So that's what he did. He went out and started doing it and he hustles every day You know, he's down there at Collins right now. And you heard him. I mean, he burns the road up, you know, going to shows and things like that. And if you're oh, going to yeah. do it, you know, do it to the best you can. And so I guess, you know, in that whatever five, 10 minute tangent I just got on, you know, that's why I'm so excited for the youth because we're so passionate about what we do that I do think that we're going to try to do it to the best of our abilities because we know we have huge shoes to fill. So I guess that's, that's, uh, you know, what I'm looking forward to most in this ag industry. Dude, that's a great way to put it. I think, uh, to tie it all around, I mean, it's the simple answer is we've got something to prove. I mean, we're, we're already going up against a stereotype that we're lazy. We don't know how to do anything or we don't know anything. That way, when we somebody gives us a chance, we're like, okay, l- l- let me show you what I can do. Let me yeah, show you how hard I can do work. Do me a favor and tell me I won't so I can prove, you, prove to you that I can. Exactly. You know, and that I will. You know, that that's that's my mindset. You know, it's like there was an old guy and, and Frank told me about it. You know, he called Frank one day and was like, you, you hired a kid to do a man's job. You know, I don't think it's going to work out. And Frank's like, I think you're wrong. And when he told me about that, it like lit a fire underneath of me. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is, like I said, I'm, I'm not a cocky person. Uh, you know, I, I understand humility and I, I try to practice it as much as I can. Um, but I was like, yeah, he's going to want my sale results in a year. Yeah, you know, like as soon as he as soon as he said that, I was like, oh nope, I'm gonna this this guy's gonna get left in the dust because, you know, every day we wake up, you know, Frank and Brad, myself, we we all decided we got we're, we we want to be the best, and it, it's a lot of work to get there, and I I don't know if we'll ever get to be the best because that that's a, in a, a you know quite a quite a feat to get to in, in this cattle business because there are so many guys out there that do such an incredible job doing it, you know. But that's a goal we have, and we want to work towards our goals in life. And, you know, you know, if I can raise the best cattle that we can possibly raise here at Brownfield Angus Farms and, and at home, you know, with, with TBRS Cattle Company, that's what I want to do. You know, um, even though I'm up here in Michigan, you know, Dad and Justin, shoot, we talk two, three, four, five times on the phone a day uh, talking about breeding decisions and what we're going to do. And, like, you know, last fall, my dad and I started a little red Angus herd. You know, we wanted to – start raising registered red angus and we don't got a lot of cows we got i think we're up to almost i think 10 now uh just got a couple out of cloud nines uh red angus dispersal sale the other day and you know we got we got a really nice uh cow at home uh griswolds gave us a shout out one day and you know shoot to a lot of people that may not mean much but to us it meant everything because shoot we're just small time gelby people you know oh yeah and, and you know but you know coach tom justin myself we decided we, we want to make it, you know, and if you're going to make it in this cattle deal, man, you just, you got to throw that throttle down and just never let up and, and keep pushing forward because there's always a guy two miles down the road, you know, 10 miles down the road, however far, you know, there's this cattle guy everywhere you can throw a stick at and, and you gotta, you just got to keep working at it, you know, and never take it for granted. And, you know, that's the, that's the neat thing about our industry. Cause as an industry, I think we're suit soup, you know, I think, 
we know our humility as an industry and, and everybody wants to work towards that one goal of being the best. But if you don't have somebody that's, that's just as good as you are, if not better than you are down the road from you, you know, you're, you're going to want to let up. Yeah. So they're going to start to get complacent. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't do that, man. It's, it's a competitive drive that, that keeps us going, I think as an industry. And, you know, I think, I don't know, I think it's just going to be good. You know, I just got to keep, keep on keeping on, man. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, everybody wants to be the best, but I mean, you got to have somebody in front of you and you got to have somebody behind you just to know where you're at. And you've got, and I'm a firm believer in this. You've got to have role models. Exactly. And, and, you know, I had great role models. I look up to my dad tremendously. He's easily the most influential person in my life, uh, as, as a lot of fathers are. But Coach Tom taught me so much about just understanding cattle and the basics, you know, just a, a daily care, how to feed them properly. And then, you know, you go on and get a edu- college education and, and, you know, college, JUCO especially, you meet such a network of people, even in senior college. There's just a wide variety of people. You know, in JUCO, I worked for a guy that runs like 300 head of limousine cattle, you know. So that was the first operation that I, you know, got to work at large numbers of cattle with, you know. And then I go down to Texas and, you know, shout out to Jake Frankie and Jared Floyd down there. They rip up that uh, club calf game down there in the steer world. And, you know, I, I clipped a lot for them and things like that. But at the same time, I ran a lot of cattle for them you know, calved a lot of cows out for him and, and meeting these people is what helped shape me into the, the guy I am now. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the role models that you have helped shape who you are. And I was lucky enough. I, I guess not lucky enough. I was blessed to have some really neat people in my life help get me to where I'm at. You know, I think it's so it's, it's really, it's really funny that I think every episode, it always comes back around this time of the episode where we talk about connections and where we've made connections, whether it be JUCO, senior college, anywhere. But one thing's for sure, connections are everything. I mean, if, if you if you meet somebody in junior college or senior college, that could help you five years down the road. That could help you 35 years down the road. It's, it's nuts what this industry can do for you. It's because it's so tight-knit. Oh, it's crazy, bro. Like... One of my, he was on my brother's team at, at Fort Scott. He was a year older than me. His name's Clay Rowland. He's Florida State's judging coach right now, right? I get a phone call from like Kissimmee, Florida, or something like that, like last week. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down and judge this, this jackpot show down there. I don't know if I'm supposed to say nice. that. So anybody's listening, sorry. Um, He's not but, judging that show. Don't listen. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not judging that. But you know, it's like I don't know anybody from Florida. You know, and but Clay was down there and he works with that ag extension, you know, and that that's a prime example of someone that you met along the way that helps you out in the future. You exactly. Know? And it's I don't know, it's just crazy to think all the people that you truly get to meet. And that's I'm huge on livestock judging in college, like the, the people you meet along the way there is just I don't know. It's just as an industry. That is one thing that we should take pride in and talk more about is how much we care about our people in the other industry, no matter how competitive we get or how much we want to beat the person down the aisle from us at a cattle show. At the end of the day, we take pride as an industry, I think, on caring for one another. And that that's huge to me. Exactly. And it goes for all species. And I know, oh, I know yeah. you meant it that way too, but um, I mean, you could, you could be getting second to a family every single weekend at a jackpot circuit. 
but the minute that they have something happen to their family or or uh, god forbid something happens to their livestock or something like that or they get a somebody burns down their barn or i don't know but it we all come together we all come together and it doesn't matter if you've been getting beat by them or you're beating them all year we're all in this in this industry together and we all need to kind of have each other's backs oh yeah and then you know you hate talking about it but like prime examples the natural disasters that have been happening to us these past couple years whether it's the fires that burnt up texas and kansas and oklahoma a few few years back the blizzards and the rains that we had this year it's you can scroll through facebook instagram shoot the 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 news and, and see us as a as an industry come together and support each other and like bend over backwards for the, your next door neighbor or some guy 250 miles down the road who's whose grass burnt up so you send 40 round bales of your own hay and you know good and darn well it's going to cut you short for the winter but they need it worse than you do and you do it anyways like as an industry that's awesome that's you know that's man? where it gets really really cool yeah it's it's it, i mean it's just i think and that as an industry, you know, that's another thing about the future, like seeing stuff like that, you know, it gives you, it gives a guy hope in my opinion, Exactly. you know, that you're like, man, this is what it's all about. And this is why we're going to keep doing it. And then well, you see and that the- and you're like, boy, Kevin, like last year I calved cows when it was negative 52 up here. You're like, maybe Kevin, <laughs> these cows out at negative 52 is not so bad because they got it a whole lot worse than I do right now. And then you see people literally bending over backwards to go help someone. And it's just, I don't know, it's awesome to me. Well, and it's so great because the industry is only growing. It's not, I I don't really think it's getting smaller. I think more and more people are getting into it. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. So, I mean, it, it, if it just keeps growing, there's going to be more and more and more of that. And it's just going to, it's going to lead to so much greatness within our industry. Oh, yeah, for a fact. Well, Kyle, that's a that's kind of all the questions I wanted to run through with you. Um, I like to leave this part open. Just if you want to plug anything, if you got some sales coming up, I think you mentioned that you do. But uh, anything you want to plug or anything you want to talk about, I'll leave it open. Yeah, just uh, you know, uh, I guess hit up hit up the Fam Bam's Facebook page, T Barus Cattle Company. I uh, got some neat opportunities there: some Red Angus, some Balancers, a couple Angus bulls, and some Gups uh, there in that sell some guppies. And, uh, you know, give uh, old Brumfield Angus Farms a follow there on Facebook. And then I guess the one thing that I'll, I'll leave this with is, you know, Matthew McConaughey once said it in a, one of my favorite movies, you know, just keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N, just keep living. That's all we can do, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, that's a great quote to end it with. And I love Matthew McConaughey, so I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm all right with it. I'm all right, all right, all right with it. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Well, Kyle, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your uh, out of your day. I know you said you did chores a little early today, so you could be on the phone with me. So I appreciate it. You bet, man. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to seeing you again, big dog. Dude, anytime you want to come back on, you shoot me a text. You bet, man. It sounds right. good to me. I'll talk to you later. All right, we'll see you, Canada. Time's limited, so you must listen carefully. What's up, guys? I'm back. Good to see you. Good to hear you. Yeah, I can't do either of those things. Um good of you to hear me okay i hope you liked that episode uh, with kyle he's one of my really good friends and um i wanted to have him on just because you guys can hear the passion in his voice and that's kind of a trend that i like to have with these people that i'm interviewing you can hear how passionate they are and how excited they are about the industry about their different sectors and did you guys hear how excited kyle was about his job i mean 
wouldn't you be excited if some guy was just like, yeah, here's, here's this, build it. Uh, I, I mean, as a 23-year-old, Kyle, he, he won the lottery uh, in the job placement area. For what he's looking for, for a cattle guy like that, he's, he's won the lottery. So uh, make sure you follow him on all his stuff. Let's blow him up. Uh, and make sure you follow me uh, at the show pod on Instagram and Facebook. I'm going to be making a Twitter soon. So watch out for that. I love Twitter. Uh, I just haven't made one for the podcast yet, so I'm excited about that. Uh, and then subscribe, rate, review. If you hate it, review it. Tell me what you hate about it. And don't be afraid to shoot me a message over social media, guys. I, I really, I mean, I'll talk to anybody. Um, so just shoot me a message and, and uh, talk to me if you, if you want to see some other stuff. I'm open. All right. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. Love you. Bye.